From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today we're talking about what living with Parkinson's disease is like with a doctor of physical therapy. Julie Lombardi from the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate is here with me in the HealthLink on Air studio. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Lombardi. Hi, thank you. Let's begin with a description of what Parkinson's disease is. Do we know what causes it? So the cause is not certain. There are certain um, pesticides they have found that might increase your risk for developing Parkinson's, along with likely a genetic um, increased risk. Um, so it's a combination of probably environmental plus genetics being triggered by the environment. Um, that's a hot topic of study right now. Um, a lot of researchers are looking at the microbiome as well, so looking at gut bacteria to see if that is um, potentially linked to an increased risk of Parkinson's or causing at least some of the Parkinson's diseases, um, uh, possibly starting in the gut and traveling up one of the nerves that goes to our brains. Because it's a nervous um, system disease, Yes, right? it's a central nervous system disease. But again, we're also finding it may start in the gut for at least some of the diseases. And is it primarily um, in older people? Um, it is, yep. It is something that your risk of getting it develops um, is higher with age, so it increases with age. But you can develop it younger. There's a young onset as well. And that's, we, people may be familiar with Michael J. Fox. Exactly, yeah. the young, younger yep. onset. Now, um, when I think of Parkinson's disease, I, I think of tremor, mm -hmm. but there's some other symptoms that go along with it, right? right? Yeah, you don't have to have a tremor to have um, Parkinson's disease, um, even the idiopathic Parkinson's disease that people mostly think of. Um, there are cardinal signs. So there's bradykinesia, which means a slowness of movement, um, rigidity, um, postural instability, which is a difficulty with balance, and tremor. Um, if you have two of the either tremor, slowness of movement, or rigidity, um, you could be classified with Parkinson's disease. So you don't have to have that tremor. Now, how is Parkinson's disease diagnosed then? So it's usually a clinical diagnosis. Uh, it often will be a family member that notices maybe the person isn't uh, moving quite as fast anymore. They can't keep up when they're walking. Um, people may go to the doctor because of their tremor, if they have tremor, um, or they might just go and say, you know, I'm just not feeling well. I'm not feeling like myself anymore. Um, and so that's why it can take a while to actually come to the diagnosis. Um, sometimes you're being shifted around from doctor to doctor before really finding that diagnosis, especially if you don't have that obvious tremor. And so there's not a simple test to say yes or no, you have it. Not really. So there's the clinical diagnosis. That's usually what's um, how it's determined. Um, there is a scan that sometimes will be done, um, but that's more if, let's say, somebody has a tremor and they're trying to figure out if it's like an essential tremor versus um, a Parkinson's tremor. So they may go in for a scan to see um, whether or not that there is that dopamine loss in the brain. Um, that would help maybe to confirm the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, but it, there are other... Parkinsonisms, and that would not differentiate between other Parkinsonisms versus Parkinson's disease. You use the term essential tremor. What What is that? So essential tremor is not the resting tremor that you typically see in Parkinson's disease. It's also sometimes heard of as benign tremor or familial tremor. So it's a different type of tremor that has nothing to do with Parkinson's disease. So if a person sees their doctor and their doctor diagnosis them with Parkinson's, um, what next? What sort of information do they get and 
where do they go from there? So I think that first visit for a lot of patients is very overwhelming. It's a um, life-changing diagnosis for most people. You know, for some people, they might be somewhat relieved to know, um, you know, I have a diagnosis. I finally figured out what all of these symptoms are, um, but now what? And I think it can be scary because they might have a family member or relative that maybe has progressed through to some of the later stages of Parkinson's and that looks really hard to live with. Um, and for some people, there's somewhat of a relief to know that it's not something that they'll die from. It's just something they'll have to live with and it'll make life harder. Um, so on that visit, they're given a lot of information, um, sometimes given the option to start a medication. And um, as a physical therapist, we hope that they're also given a referral to PT. So there is some medication that helps. Yeah, so it doesn't slow the disease down at all, but it can help with the symptoms. There are various medications. A common one, the most common one that people go on is something card called um, Cinemats, Carbidopa, Levodopa. Okay. And then physical therapy. What, what does physical therapy offer? So with physical therapy, um, what we're finding now is that exercise actually may slow down the disease process and help to perfect, uh, protect the nerve cells. Um, so doctors often tell their patients to exercise, but patients sometimes feel lost. They don't know how to exercise. And we really would like to see them in PT because we can kind of guide them on what is the best exercise to be doing to help slow down your disease process and to individually help patients with what they're having difficulty with in their functional lives. For some people, it might be, you know, if they're diagnosed early enough, they may not know that they're having difficulty with anything, but then maybe we get them moving backwards quickly and they almost fall. And that might be something they didn't realize that their balance was starting to be impaired. Um, so we can kind of help them target where they're having difficulty with their movement and try to develop a comprehensive program to target their problems. So if, if part of the disease process is a slowing down or slowness of mm -hmm. movement and, a, and difficulty with balance, I mean, those things are challenging on their own. How mm -hmm. do you mix that with what sort of exercise would help with yeah. those? Yeah. So one of the things we do is actually forced exercise. Um, there's been research in tandem cycling. So um, sometimes what I'll do with a patient is get them to walk at their self-selected pace. And I might take out my metronome and figure out what that pace is. And then I'll get them to go maybe 10% faster than that by speeding up the metronome and telling them to keep up with that pace or get on the treadmill and force them to go faster. Um, so doing that can actually help people with their balance and to walk better. Um, so that's just one of the things we might do is to get them to move faster. There's also this um, sense loss of the ability to sense the size of the movement and the um, speed of their movement. And I use this example with patients all the time that um, it's kind of like their their thermostat is off. So they might want their movement to be a certain size, and they think that they're moving at that size. But in order to actually get their movement there, they have to kind of increase the work of their furnace, their body, to improve their movement. So it's as if they wanted, they walk into the room and they want their temperature to be 68, and they set their thermostat at 68, but they take out a thermometer and it's 66 degrees in the room. So if you can't fix the thermostat, you have to make the furnace work harder. And so that's kind of what we do, is try to teach people to sense when they're moving smaller and feel what it feels like to move bigger again and how to use more effort to do that. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking about Parkinson's disease with Julie Lombardi, a doctor of physical therapy at Upstate. 
I've heard that there are five stages of Parkinson's disease. Can you talk to me about how the symptoms change as the disease progresses? Sure. So that's um, the Honanyar staging. And um, so Honanyar 1 would be um, just on one side, and then it progresses to uh, both sides, and then eventually progressing to maybe needing an assistive device, or then stage 5 is like bedridden. Now, I think one of the biggest things that I try to do with patients is to reassure them that they don't have to get to stage five. Not everyone moves through all five stages. So um, that can be a huge relief for people to hear that, okay, I might not end up at stage five. And what I need to do about it is to exercise. And And stay active. Yeah, that's how they can try to prevent progressing as quickly or even through all of the stages. Are there, um, we've talked a lot about the motor kind of symptoms. Mm -hmm. Are there non-motor symptoms that come along with this? Yeah, and sometimes those can be the... um, those will show up before the motor um, symptoms. So a lot of that might be constipation. Um, It could be a loss of sense of smell, Um, REM sleep disorder. So not uh, patients will maybe be acting out violent dreams in their sleep. Um, There's sometimes it's a lack of sweating. Uh, Maybe your heart rate doesn't respond well to exercise. A big one is something called orthostatic hypotension. So when they change positions from lying down to sitting, sitting to standing, the blood pressure can drop and they'll feel a lot of dizziness from that. Um, So patients might be experiencing some of those symptoms way before they experience their motor symptoms. And again, once they get to the doctor and realize, oh, this is Parkinson's disease, now it all fits together. Um, Incontinence is one of those. So like once the picture kind of fits all of those symptoms together, there might, for some people, maybe some relief. For others, definitely, you know, they're not relieved to hear they have Parkinson's disease. But um, that, those are some of the premotor signs. Uh, What about, can you tell me what uh, people would expect at their first visit to the physical therapist? Sure. So on their first visit, some people are nervous. Maybe they've never done physical therapy before, so they don't really know what to expect. Um, We first start with just an interview of the patient, um, finding out what they're having difficulty with, um, finding out what the progression of their disease has been like, how medication has helped, um, and then move into examination. So um, I'll check blood pressure. I'll see how their limbs are moving, um, coordination, and moving into how is their balance, how is their walking. So we have certain tests that we look at. Um, Also looking at cognition a little bit, not as much as like a speech therapist does, but trying to get like a baseline of what is their cognition like. Because often with this disease, eventually there is some decline in that, and that can affect balance as well. Um, So we get these baseline measurements and then discuss what will physical therapy involve. And just to kind of give people some relief as to know what to expect down the road now. So do you recommend that the patient bring a loved one with them to the uh, appointments? I I think it's very helpful when they do. They certainly don't have to. But um, again, sometimes the patient themselves, they don't feel how slow they're moving with certain tasks or that they're having difficulty with certain things. And that's where the family member can chime in and give a little more input on some of those things. So what sorts of things would you work on with a person during a session after the first visit? Um, What sorts of things do you see needing So depending on what, you know, there are certain therapies that we do um, that have a protocol attached to them and then others that other times um, we won't use a protocol. But 
in general, um, doing some exercises to help to decrease some of the stiffness that people feel along with that rigidity is a sensation of stiffness. So um, that can happen often in um, the trunks, in the trunk, the arms, the neck. So we're working on rotation of the trunk, trying to get the spine to move a little bit better. Um, working on getting their movements to be more exaggerated, um, especially with a lot of kind of stomping. I tell my patients to stomp a lot. That way they're picking up their feet higher and moving them faster into another position so that when they start to feel like they're falling, they can move faster and catch themselves. Um, as the sessions progress, I start to challenge cognition a little bit more. So it might be, we're often trying to do two things at once, um, because that becomes a challenge. So it's either walking and talking, um, walking and doing, uh, mental arithmetic. Um, maybe we're looking around the room and doing some tasks of, um, I use some, some of these Stroop tasks. So I'll give them a colored word and it might say green but it's written in red and so they have to tell me the color they see or something like that so just different activities to get people to have to think and keep their movements um, how we're trying to make them well uh, what happens after a person completes all of their physical therapy visits because there's a, a certain number that they come to right right so um, if they're doing a certain one of the protocols we use is 16 visits they come to for other patients it's um, a, probably around a couple of months until um, we kind of maximize their progress um, and then this therapy never ends for patients we take a break from it um, so I like to have people, decide on what type of a community exercise program they may get involved with um, during their time off from therapy. Um, so we discuss the different options in the community. What are some of those options in the central New York or Syracuse area? So Syracuse um, has some great options now. Um, there's been a lot that has come about over the past probably 10 years. Um, there's a few different dance classes um, that are designed for people with Parkinson's. Um, there's rock steady boxing that is designed for people with Parkinson's and it's a non-contact boxing program um, as well as um, a a nonprofit right now called Empower Parkinson's that houses rock study boxing, tai chi, yoga, chorus lessons, nutrition, um, support groups. So there's a lot out there in the community for to specifically for people with Parkinson's disease. And I understand you're a, a boxing coach. So I'm certified in rock study boxing. I don't actually coach now. I used to be one of the coaches for one of the um, Syracuse groups, and um, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to Dr. Julie Lombardi from the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.